Our next scripture lesson is also from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, picking up where the last, the first reading left off, beginning in the seventh verse. Listen again. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God, the Word of the Lord. In one of her letters, the great American writer Flannery O'Connor commented on Paul, I reckon the Lord knew that the only way to make a Christian out of that one was to knock him off his horse. The conversion of Saul to Paul may be the best-known story in Acts with the exception of the Pentecost story. A powerful, dramatic scene with a bright light from heaven, Saul being struck blind and a voice speaking to him from the heavens. Perhaps even more dramatic than the roadside scene is the change that takes place. Saul the persecutor of Christians becomes Paul, the great evangelizer and leader of Christians. The story is also about Ananias and his willingness to reach out to Saul. As I reflected on both these men in this story, I was struck by Saul talking back to the voice from the heavens. And Ananias engaging God in conversation. It occurs to me that Saul and perhaps Ananias and perhaps you and I engage in conversation with the voice of God as we try to understand our calling as disciples of Christ. This morning I invite you to listen to what might have been part of Saul's conversation with God. Ananias' conversation with God, and then Paul's conversation with God. 
We have no record of these conversations. But in our heart of hearts, we know these conversations took place because we know that we have those conversations. Think for a moment of what Saul and God might have been talking about two days into Saul's blindness. Uh, God... I've had a couple of days to think about this and I'm not sure I still buy it. I know that day on the road it seemed convincing that I was wrong about persecuting Christians. When I was on my knees hearing a voice that I, I thought was the voice of the risen Christ, it was easy to believe that I was wrong to persecute Christians. But I'm not so sure I was wrong anymore. After all, I've spent my life studying Torah I'm a Pharisee. If anyone should recognize the Son of God, I should. Who are these Christians to decide that Jesus was your son? There have been lots of stories about faith healers and miracle workers. I've even heard stories about people being raised from the dead. None of those people turned out to be your son. You know I'm usually right about matters of faith and theology. I'm pretty sure I just got caught up in the moment on the road to Damascus. I let my emotions get the better of me. I've had a few days to think about it. I'm not so sure whose voice I heard that day or whom I saw. No one else saw anyone. Oh, yes, they said they heard your voice, but they only said it after they heard I said I heard your voice. When this blindness goes away, I think I'm going to go back to work finding those Christians and holding them accountable to their false claims about resurrection. Uh, Saul, you're not sure if you believe in resurrection? You're not sure whose voice that was? You're still blind, right? You may think it's temporary, but you keep praying to me to heal you. I'm going to send someone to heal you of your blindness. When that happens, will you then believe? The voice from the heavens that you heard does not fit with what you want to believe because you want Pharisee answers. I don't have Pharisee answers. All I have is my love and the hope and power of the resurrection to give to you. You want answers? So does everyone else. Guess what? You are the one who I am sending to bring them answers. But you choose. Do you want to believe in my son Jesus? Or do you want to cling to your desire to be right in the eyes of the Pharisees? Your choice. As Saul ponders his choice, Ananias is also having a conversation with God. God, you want me to do what? You really want me to go to the house where Saul is and touch his eyes so he can be healed of his blindness? You know who Saul is, right? Saul's the one who stood by and smiled as they stoned Stephen. 
Saul's the rabid Pharisee who wants to persecute Christians. He came here to find people like me to punish us. I know, I know, I've heard what he's telling people, how he's been changed, how the risen Lord spoke to him while he was on his way here to Damascus. But do you know how much evil this man Saul has done? Can he really be changed? I'm not sure I believe that. It feels like you're asking me to walk into a trap. Uh, Ananias, I have never said following my son Jesus would be easy. Part of being a disciple is being willing to serve in ways you might not have imagined doing. Sometimes you have to choose. Do you want to do what I send you to do or not? But I'm scared. I know. But remember that I am with you. You go with the power of the Holy Spirit. I will not abandon you. I know. But I'm still scared. Even after Saul chooses to follow Christ and becomes Paul... He is still in conversation with God. God, I'm not sure this is working. I asked the Christians what they want me to do, how they want me to help. Most of them won't even talk to me. They see me coming, they run the other way. They still think I want to persecute them. They won't give me a second chance. It, it's hard enough to change who I am, but when no one believes I've changed, well, well what's the point? Paul, what about Ananias? Didn't he come to the house and heal your blindness? Or Barnabas? Hasn't Barnabas shown a willingness to work with you? Okay. Ananias and Barnabas have seemed to accept me, although they're clearly reluctant. They're not doing it because they trust me. They're only doing it because you told them to. No one else seems to trust me or want to help me. They either think I'm some kind of spy or they act jealous of me. You don't know what it's like to have everyone look at you with suspicion in their eyes, acting like they want me to just go away. You don't know what it's like to face rejection everywhere I turn. Actually, I do know a thing or two about rejection. How about this, Paul? How about you keep telling people about the resurrection of my son? You keep proclaiming the resurrection. You go and tell anyone who will listen. If you run into people who do not want to believe, move on. I promise you that the world is full of people who need to hear about my love and the hope and power of the resurrection. How about you go and do what I send you to do and quit worrying about things over which you have no control? I ran across a Mark Twain quote recently. It goes like this. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Being, a, being you know, someone who wants to have integrity with quotes, I, I went to find the original source, and guess what? It's attributed to Mark Twain, and he never said it. But I suppose if I can preach a sermon uh, with conversations that never took place, I can use a Mark Twain quote that... The quote reveals the desire people, the desire we have for our lives to have meaning.
We want to have purpose. As Christians, we discover our purpose as we listen to where God sends us as disciples of Christ. We have an incredible, challenging task to follow the resurrected one. We have to listen for the voice of God. We have to listen to the stirrings of our restless spirits that want to change. We have to be willing to give up our desire to be right and instead learn to be faithful. We have to be willing to go to places that might be uncomfortable. We have to do what God calls us to do and let God be God. How do we do it? Maybe we can ask Saul or Ananias or Paul or better yet, ask God and listen for the answer. Amen.